Today on the Matt Walsh Show, two white students are kicked out of a study hall at Arizona State University for the crime of being white. Also, a couple of Afghans we evacuated from the country in August have already been charged with sex crimes. And a mother at a school board meeting confronts the school board over the heinous and pornographic books that are being distributed to students in the district. We'll play that clip for you. Plus, Australian police are now firing rubber bullets indiscriminately into crowds of protesters. And finally, a woman on the subway is offended by pornographic OK Cupid ads. So she takes matters into her own hands heroically, I think. All of that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Now we check in with our friends over at 40 Days for Life. When the topic of abortion comes up, it's easy to get nervous, which it's certainly in the last few weeks has probably come up in your life uh, plenty of times. But maybe you get nervous. It's a, it's a charged topic. And uh, when you're talking to friends or family or coworkers, um, and it, especially if you if you don't know exactly what to say and if you're not prepared for all of the arguments and objections that may be thrown at you, then uh, that's when it can be bad. And that's why one of the reasons why I wrote the foreword to the new book, What to Say When, the complete new guide to discussing abortion, which became an Amazon bestseller and number one in its category upon its release two weeks ago. It's an easy book to use tells you what to say and what not to say when abortion comes up. It has proven arguments that have worked with everybody, people on the fence, abortion supporters, even Planned Parenthood workers. If you want to know how good the arguments are, well, 40 Days for Life has helped to convert the hearts and minds of 221 abortion clinic workers. That's how effective it is. This is an invaluable tool and a timely tool as well. So get it now. What to say when the complete new guide to discussing abortion, how to change minds and convert hearts in a brave new world. Go to Amazon or get it directly from 40 Days for Life at 40daysforlife.com. We begin today with a viral video from the campus of Arizona State University. The most shocking thing in this footage is that it's not shocking at all. It ought to be. Instead, this is exactly what we've come to expect from college campuses. In the video, two white males are sitting at a table doing schoolwork. They're approached by two female students, both non-white, who inform them that they have to leave the room because they're white. Also because one of them has a Police Lives Matter sticker on his laptop. And his friend sitting across the table is uh, wearing a shirt that says, did not vote for Biden, which I can see why you'd want that on a shirt. It is something to be proud of. They, they, but they weren't standing on the table and screaming these messages. They were rather sitting at an otherwise empty table, minding their own business, causing no disruption of any kind, when they were accosted by the two racist women. Of course, those women felt themselves so justified or so sure of their own righteousness that they're the ones who recorded and posted this exchange. Part of their grievance, as you'll hear in the footage, is that the study hall, the area where they are sitting, um, it, according to the women, is a multicultural space. Now, even if that's true, you'd think the word multi would cover the white men, but apparently not. So here's what happened. Watch. What did I do wrong? You have a better... You're, you're offensive. Police lives matter? You have the same sticker. We're just trying to do school. What? You guys have the same sticker as the other. But this is our space. We've got a Police Lives Matter sticker and we're getting kicked out. Can't do school. Nobody's you, you just said we have to leave. No, I said... You're making the space uncomfortable. uncomfortable. But you're white. Do you understand what a multicultural space? It means you're not being centered. White's not a culture? No. No, it's not a culture. It's white is not a culture. Say it again to the camera. You think whiteness is a culture? This is insane. So anyway, this is the violence that ASU does, and this is the type of people that they protect. Okay, this white man thinks he can take up our space, and this is why we need a multicultural space, because they think they can get away with this I'm going to sit here the whole time, and you can find somebody to kick that, me That's cool. We, we're we're not will. kicking you out. We're asking you to leave if you have any consideration for people of color and our marginalized. So clearly don't. Yeah, the whole rest of the campus, the whole, the second floor, the first floor, the whole MU, every single part of the campus centers you. This is the only space that you're not centered and you're still trying to center yourself, which is peak white cis male bull****. You are racist, your sticker is racist because police, that's a job. You can choose to be a police. I didn't, I don't choose to be black. You know, every time you, you, uh, watch a video with, with one of these people, you, you hear the language that they use and uh, they, they always use like, these certain words, certain language that they use it, where the, the cultish aspect of this really comes through. 
So they're saying they're saying things that make sense in the cult, but they don't even realize that this doesn't mean anything to anyone outside the cult. So they're saying things like, you're not centered. This isn't a place where you're centered. What? What the hell are you talking about? But this is a this is a religious cult. And it's 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 very similar to um, you know, you go to a, a certain church or you're around people of a you know, a certain denomination. And they're going to speak in certain ways and use certain lingo and use certain words that are familiar to them. And that's, that's common in religions. And the point is that this is a religion. But what she says about police officers, uh, they, they choose to be police officers. Yeah, that's true. People choose to be police officers. But why does that make police lives matter an unnecessary, much less a racist sentiment? On the contrary, police lives matter is a far more important and necessary slogan Because there are plenty of people who think that police lives don't matter. Police lives matter is asserted in response to the opposite view, which many people, like the ones filming, actually hold. But who is Black Lives Matter responding to? I mean, everybody knows that Black Lives Matter. Nobody disagrees. The only people who disagree are the violent criminals in the city, most of them black, who murder black people every day. Although, of course, they don't recognize the value in any human life at all. They target black people, their own race, most of the time, because those are the victims closest at hand. So... So there really is no prominent belief anywhere in the country that black lives don't matter. That makes the statement black lives matter unnecessary, which leads to the suspicion that the person asserting it really means something else. And very often they do. There is a silent but assumed only or first and foremost that goes before the statement black lives matter. Meanwhile, police lives matter and even all lives matter are urgent and vital messages precisely because there is no such widespread agreement on that point. In any case, getting back to the video, this, this exchange uh, would go on for several minutes. Eventually, the two guys did get up and leave, which is unfortunate. And we'll dissect the altercation in more detail in a moment. But before we do that, a little more background on the uh, racist shrews behind the camera. They're part of what they call the Multicultural Solidarity Coalition. Yes, a lot, a lot of irony in that word solidarity there. That's what, that's what solidarity looks like to them. Solidarity is get up and get out of here. On their Instagram page, they explain um, how this room that they're in was allegedly given to them by the university. Listen. What's good, y'all? So we're here uh, with the Multicultural Solidarity Coalition. And uh, for over a year, they had us in these meetings over and over and over again. Um, and all the, out of the meeting, they took our 25-page proposal where we asked for a three-story building, which the student pavilion will do, okay? But uh, what they did in response to that is give us a single room. This is the room that they gave us. Now, you know, uh, while the size, you know, it, it's okay. We'll take the whole floor. But, um, you know, um, it's about care and intentionality. And what you see is they haven't even changed the platform. They haven't even changed the plaque. So why were we in meetings every single week and you can't change the plaque? Hmm. Didn't even change the plaque. I mean, the, the persecution and oppression that these two poor girls are suffering is really, really, uh, really, really horrible. Pretty unbelievable. I mean, they're, they're so persecuted and uh, oppressed that they can harass two white guys on the basis of their race and tell them to leave the room and they're not going to suffer any consequences for it. And I, I don't need to say it, but of course I am going to say it, that if we were to change the racial demographics here, switch them around and play out this same scene again, you know, where it's the guys saying to the girls, you need to leave. And they ask why, and the guys say, well, you're black. I mean, you can't even, you can't imagine the response to that. I mean, these, these guys, they'd be arrested on hate crime charges. This would be national news everywhere, so on and so forth. But these girls, you know, I, they are quite reasonable on second thought. They wrote a long list of demands, 25 pages long, including a demand for an entire three-story building that they could have for themselves. But but they're generously willing to accept a compromise of just one room. You know, a room for multicultural solidarity. Is, a, is ASU, are they going to be giving white students a room for white solidarity? Somehow I doubt it. 
Though really that shouldn't be necessary. Why can't white students go into the multicultural room and take part in this solidarity? Well, as the girl explains, white people don't have a culture. We don't get to have a culture. And that means we don't get to have our own room or even to share their room. Now, is it true? This is kind of an interesting question. Is it true that white people don't have a culture? The race baiters on the other side seem to waffle on this point. One minute they tell us that we have no culture. The next they tell us that we do have a culture. And the hallmarks of that culture are white supremacy, racism, patriarchy, chauvinism, etc. The answer, as far as they're concerned, is that whites are allowed to have a culture whenever it is convenient to them, to the race baiters, for us to have one. The truth, as always, changes according to the needs of the moment. What is the reality, though? Well, let's start with defining our terms, as I like to do. I think, I think it, would, it would be fair to define culture as the, tradi- the traditions, arts, social institutions, customs, accomplishments, and heritage of a particular group of people. Maybe we could all agree that's what a culture is. Do white people as a group share traditions, heritage, social institutions, and so on? Well, it's hard to say we do because white is a broad category that encompasses people from dozens of different countries all across the world. Then again, the same can be said for black. That is also a broad category encompassing many millions of disparate people from many different countries and regions of the globe. That means that if you want to refer to culture in a meaningful way, I mean, you could broaden it so much that it doesn't mean it. I mean, you could talk about human culture and talk about the most basic, basic things that all humans have in common. But when you're using it on a, on a, on a, on a in a way that's as broad as that, it just it ceases to have any meaning. So if you want to talk about culture in a meaningful way, you have to be more specific. If I wanted to talk about my um, heritage, I would talk about my ancestors who came from Ireland. That's a cultural heritage, though I'm very far removed from it. I've never even visited Ireland. Really, then, what we should be concerned about is American culture. You know, when someone asks me as a white person, What's your culture? I should be able to say, well, what do you mean? I'm, an, I'm American. I, my, American culture is my culture. I should be able to say that. I can't say that I'm, I'm a part of Irish culture. I don't want to say that. I want to say that I am a member of and a participant in American culture. Because I am American. And America, indeed, used to have a culture. But today, that has been taken over by something that could more accurately be described as, and has been described as, uh, an anti-culture. The women in that video, as far-left activists, are part of the anti-culture. The anti-culture destroys customs and traditions, tears down the statues, erases history, tries to sever people from their heritage. If white people in America today don't have a culture, it's because the very forces that accuse them of not having a culture have intentionally destroyed the culture of which they were once a part. They rip up the history books and demolish the monuments and close the churches and decimate the culture. And then they turn to us tauntingly and say, where's your culture now, huh? So it's true that white people in America as a group don't have a culture. Neither do black people in America. Nobody in this country has a real culture anymore because it's been ripped to shreds by the forces of the anti-culture. The culture war that we talk about, very important to understand this. It is not a war between competing cultures. It's not even a war for control of the one culture. It is a war between a culture and its negation. The left never has a legitimate replacement for the things that it destroys. Just as it never has a new definition for a word after it removes the old definition. We've seen this many times. Oh, what is marriage? Well, it's not what you thought it was for for, for generations and generations and centuries and millennia. It's not that anymore. It's it's not a a bond between a a, a man and a woman. Well, then, then what is it? Well, I don't know. It's anything. What is a woman? Well, it's not an adult human female. Well, then what is it? Well, I don't know. Nothing. See, as nihilists, they wish to take things away and replace them with nothing. That's the goal. That's what they do with words, and that's what they're doing with the culture. Take it away and replace it with nothing. But this is all academic. I mean, the women in that video, they're not thinking through any of this. All they know is that these two white boys have dared to sit in their space 
and to do so while advertising viewpoints that they disagree with. That's why, you know, it's, it was fruitless for the two guys to engage and respond the way they were. I don't want a Monday morning quarterback it too much. The victims in this case were simply trying to do their schoolwork. They weren't interested or looking to get involved in this kind of exchange, and they weren't prepared for it. And I understand that. But these days, unfortunately, you have to be prepared for this kind of thing, especially on a college campus if you make the tragic mistake of enrolling in college to begin with, which is why it bears repeating again that when confronted with blabbering racist clowns like those two girls who are getting in your face and calling you racist, even while demonstrating the very racism they accuse you of, there's no point in engaging with their arguments or answering the charges they make against you. The one guy repeatedly assures the girls that, they, no, I'm not a racist. Yet the more you deny it, the more you affirm the accusation in their minds. And who cares what's, it, what's in their minds anyway? They're mostly empty minds. The only appropriate response in this situation is to look them dead in the eyes and say, I don't care what you think. I don't care that you're offended. I don't care if you think I'm a racist. I don't care about your feelings. I apologize for nothing. Now piss off and get out of my face. Let them spin and twirl and work themselves into a tizzy over, tizzy over it. Let them do that. That's their problem. That's the only response that works anymore. Now let's get to our five headlines. You know what I hate more than anything in the world? And it's a long list. Going to the auto parts store. You know I hate it because I tell you about it so often. Some would say I even have an unreasonable hatred for the auto parts store. But it just, it makes me seething. I seethe with rage as I walk through the aisles of the auto parts store knowing that I'm wasting my time. And they won't find, they won't have the selection that I need or the prices that I want. And then I start screaming that and I run out. That's why it's so much better to go to rockauto.com. A lot easier than going to the store. A lot cheaper and quicker, too. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible. And they're a family business as well. They've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com now to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The catalog is unique and extremely easy to navigate. You can see all the parts available for your vehicle. You can also just uh, easily plug in the brands, the specifications, the prices you prefer. You just put all that in. And it comes back with exactly what you're looking for every time. And whatever price you get on rockauto.com, you know it's the best price you're going to get. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car, truck, and write Walsh in there. How did you hear about us, box? So they know that we sent you. So uh, next week, September 28th, I've uh, told you about the rally that um, I'll be a part of at the Loudoun County School Board. And that's going to be at 21,000 Education Court, Ashburn, Virginia, uh, and if you go to my Twitter or my Facebook, you'll find out there's a, an, an event page that I, we, we link to, which, which has all the information. But that's all you really need to know. 21,000 Education Court, Ashburn, Virginia. We're going to be rallying um, against the abuse and indoctrination of kids in Loudoun County. And, but but it, that is also happening all across the country. Specifically, the radical trans policy they've put in place, opening up bathrooms, opening up locker rooms. Uh, you know, the let, letting boys into the girls' locker room, girls' sports teams, requiring teachers to use preferred pronouns upon penalty of probably getting fired or suspended, as at least one teacher already has been, uh, and and not even for, quote, misgendering a student in the classroom, but, but simply for giving his opinion at a school board meeting. And this, again, this kind of thing's happening all across the country, but um, but if we want to do something about it, you know, we, can, we can make the general sort of arguments, which I do every day, but then we've also got to be there on the ground engaging with these things on a local level, which is what we're going to do, and it's why we're rallying. Now, originally, the plan was, and uh, if you heard me advertising this rally you know, earlier in the week or last week, I said that the rally's going to be at 5, at, um, at, uh, at five o'clock, and... And then the school board meeting was the public comments and the school board meetings were, spo- were supposed to be at 630. So we have the rally and then people are going to go in and, and, uh, and give their opinions at the school board meeting. Well, the school board has started playing games here. And so the first thing they did 
is they moved their the actual public comments up to when our rally was supposed to start. I guess hoping that all the people that would be criticizing them during the public comments would be out in the rally and wouldn't come in. And so we responded to that, and we have now moved um, the time of the rally up to 4 o'clock. So the rally is going to start now at 4 o'clock Eastern. We're going to have the rally for an hour, and then you could go into the public comments. And the next thing they did, um, and I have been told that this is a, this is a, a new rule change for the Loudoun County School Board. Because in the past... Just like the school board I, I went to here in Nashville, um, the Metro Nashville School Board. All you had to do was you sign up ahead of time and anyone can go and give public comments. It is, after all, a, this is not a private school. We're talking about public. This is, this is public. We're all taxpayers. Anybody should have the right to show up and, and, and express their point of view. These school board officials, these school board members, they are public employees. So anyone should have the right to show up and express their point of view. But as as a very coincidentally, uh, just mere days before I'm supposed to show up there, the Loudoun County School Board has changed its rules. And I'm being told they've done this basically illegally. There's a process for changing the rules for public comment. They have not followed the process. In fact, they're supposed to allow public comment on the rule changes ahead of time. They're not doing that. They've changed the rules, and now they're saying that um, the only members of the public eligible to address the school board now are residents of Loudoun County, owners of businesses located in Loudoun County, or students, parents, or employees in Loudoun County. Those are the only people who are eligible. And in order to address, you got to show up. Um, here's what I got. Someone sent an email. Um, in order to, to give public comment at the Loudoun County School Board meeting, you would need either a valid Virginia driver's license indicating Loudoun County residency or a utility bill from 2021 with your name and address um, or a mortgage or lease agreement or you could show your a student report card or an employee ID. I can tell you right now that the people on the school board who made this rule change if, if there were rules like that in Virginia to vote, they would tell you that it's racist and oppressive. So, you know, they, they want there to be more protections. You have to pr- pr- provide more proof, more identification to simply comment at a school board meeting than to vote in an election in Virginia. As far as they're concerned, you know, I, as an outside agitator, shouldn't be allowed to show up in Virginia and comment on a school board. But uh, if I show up and want to vote there, as far as they're concerned, there should be no way to stop me. So what, what that means is I'm, they've, they've changed the rules to stop me from commenting at the school board meeting. I'm, so I'm not going to be able to do that. But I'll still be there at the rally outside. And uh, we're hoping to have a large crowd. So if you're anywhere within the vicinity, doesn't matter if you, if you live in Loudoun County or not. I obviously live far away. I'm coming anyway. I hope you come as well. All right, since we're on the subject of school board meetings, let's play this clip for you. This is a woman. This is also Virginia, I believe. This is, uh, I think, Fairfax. Yeah, okay. FCPS. That's Fairfax County Public Schools in Virginia. So many of these videos are from public schools in Virginia. Um, it's it's a mess in Virginia. It's not, It's it's again, it's like this in men, all across the country, but for whatever reason, uh, Virginia is sort of at the tip of the spear right now. So here's a woman, and we can't, th- there's a large portion of her address to the school board that we can't play because we just have to bleep the entire thing. So there's no no point in playing it. But she is very concerned and angry about some straight-up pornographic books that are available in the library to students in Fairfax County. And she does talk about that. And then she actually reads some passages from the book. That part we had to cut out. Um, but then it's interesting at the end to hear the way that the school board reacts to her and responds to her and what they say. Listen to this. The books were available. And we checked them out. Both of these books include pedophilia, sex between men and boys. Both books describe different acts. One book describes a fourth grade boy performing oral sex on an adult male. 
The other book has detailed illustrations of a man having sex with a boy. The illustrations include fellatio, sex toys, masturbation, and violent nudity. Pedophilia here. This is not an oversight at Fairfax I'm High sorry. School. There are children in the audience here. Do not like, interrupt my members. time. Yes. Do not interrupt my time. I would like to remind everybody. I will stand here until my time is restored and my time is finished. These books are in stock and available in the libraries of Robinson, For high school Langley, students, and Annandale High School. Pornography is offensive um, to all Clark. people. It is offensive to common decency. It is the reason why the MPAA... And then they cut her off. Now they're concerned about the, the kids. Man, there are kids here. First of all, I'm looking at the footage right now. I don't see any kids in the audience. I don't know. I, okay, let's see there. Do you see any kids? Anyone see any kids there? I see adults. I see no children. Oh, but now, now they're worried about kids. The imaginary, invisible children with invisibility cloaks that are sitting, apparently, in the, uh, in the audience there at the school board meeting. If there are children there, yeah, this is inappropriate, but that's why it shouldn't be in the school. And, and you got to love how one of the um, school board man- members corrects her and says, well, those are hi- high school. Those are for high school students. Yeah, so like 14-year-olds? They're still minors. They're still children. You freak. You creep. You degenerate filth. It, it's it's hard to fully appreciate because we had to again we had to cut out. You, you can go and look find that clip online if you if you want to. We had to cut out the part where she's actually reading from it, but it is graphic graphic depictions of not just uh, descriptions, I should say, graphic, graphic descriptions of not just sexual activity, but specifically sexual activity between young boys and adult men. And these are books that they put in the school for kids to check out. Is there an intentional uh, plan to normalize pedophilia? Yes. Is it in the school system? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's time to really wrap our minds around that. That's not a, this is not slippery slope. We're not talking about into the distant future, what might happen in some dystopian vision of the, of the future. It's not a conspiracy theory. This is what they're doing right now in the school system. So much of what they do in schools. I mean, sex ed itself. The sex ed program, modern sex ed program, what they call what they call comprehensive sex ed in the schools. That is all a, a plot, a plan to sexualize children. That's where it comes from. That's what it derives from. That's it's that that, that is the origin story of comprehensive sex ed. You know, it's why they they have sex ed classes teaching elementary schoolers about masturbation and so on. I opened the show a few weeks ago talking about the the history of of the well-known, renowned pervert Alfred Kinsey. And even to this day, decades later, you know, much of what they teach in sex ed is based on the work of Kinsey, who was was a degenerate creep himself and a pervert, and believed that, that children, small children, babies, were sexual creatures. And that's why he had, you know, studies where he, where he would give stopwatches to pedophiles and have them go rape babies and time, time it and then fill out a chart to tell us how many alleged orgasms the, the babies had. Um... And that was his that was his great work that he that he contributed to society. In his book, The Sexual Behavior in the Human Male. Still is like the Kinsey Institute, still around today. Widely respected as well. All of our modern sex ed traces back to him. 
And that's what he wanted to do. That was his belief, that children are, are, are sexual. And that no sexual behavior is immoral. That, there is, that, that's, that sexuality is an amoral arena. Any attempt to impose any kind of morality on any sexual behavior was wrong, was you know, ironically immoral by his, by his way of thinking. So that's where it comes from, going back decades. And so we should not be surprised to see this sort of thing. All right. We're also not surprised to see this anymore. It's from the Daily Wire. Melbourne police fired rubber bullets into a crowd. And uh, we have some footage of this. Just watch this footage here. Look at this. You know, look, look, okay, here's here's the crowd running away. And what is the crowd doing? They're just protesting. They're protesting, peacefully protesting. And you can hear, look, listen to that. Here's the police ch- chasing down these protesters and shooting at them, shooting them in the back with rubber bullets as they run away. My God. This is happening in Australia. Reading from the Daily Wire says, Melbourne police fired rubber bullets into a crowd and arrested more than 200 people during the third straight day of anti-lockdown protests in Australia's second largest city, which is trying to maintain strict stay-at-home orders to control the spread of COVID-19. Australia has adopted some of the strictest anti-COVID measures in the world in an attempt to reach COVID zero or a full period without a single COVID-19 infection. Um, And we've seen, I mean, every day we have more footage out of Australia to see what, see, see what sort of measures they're having to put in place, what policies they're putting in place, what they're having to do in order to achieve this dream of COVID zero, which will never, ever happen. And they know that. That will never happen. And even if it does, it's going to be temporary. COVID-19 is like the flu in that it is endemic. It's, it's in the world now. It's never going away. And so if what they're saying in Australia is that we have to shut the entire continent down and you can't leave your home as long as there is one COVID case, That's the policy. If there is one, one COVID case anywhere on the continent, the whole society shuts down. The fact that we can't even agree in this country that that is an insane, suicidal policy. We can't even agree that it's maybe a mild overreaction. That's what scares me the most. I mean, I feel bad for the people in Australia. I'm also grateful I don't live there. And I'll tell you one thing. If I was a, a uh, more of the, of the sort of inter- interventionist sort, then I think I'd be calling for us to invade Australia and take it over by force and uh, un- unseat their oppressive regime. Now, at this point, we're, we're, in, we're in no position to really judge any other countries and the kind of, you know, or, or any other uh, government, any other regimes and the oppression that they inflict on, uh, oppression they inflict on their people. Because that's about as bad as it gets. Telling people they can't leave their home. I mean, you've removed all basic human freedom and liberty from them. All of it. It's all gone. It's all out the window. I mean, in Australia right now, you have zero freedom. And the really scary thing is that in this country, there is an appetite for that. There are people who, there are people who look at that, if you can imagine it, who look at that video footage we just played, and they look at it longingly with envy. And they say, oh man, I wish they would do that here. The only thing right now preventing it from getting that bad here, and I don't know how long it's going to last, the only thing preventing it is that we have gun rights in this country. We have a Second Amendment, and they don't in Australia. Right now, the government assumes they wouldn't be able to get away with this. I don't know if they're right or not that they couldn't get away with it. All right, from the Post Millennial says, two evacuees from Afghanistan will face federal charges for crimes allegedly committed at Fort McCoy. McCoy. Um, Barula Nori, 
20, is charged with attempting to engage in a sexual act with a minor through the use of force. The victim was not yet 16 years old. Muhammad Haroon Imad, 32, is charged with assaulting his spouse by strangling and suffocating her. The indictment alleges that the assault occurred on September 7th, 2021. Both men made initial appearances in Madison uh, on September 16th and are being deta- detained at the Dane County Jail. Um, so, they, I mean, we, we evacuated all these Afghans from the country, you know, by the plane load. And we were told that there was going to be a process, right, a screening process. That's what the Biden administration promised us. Oh, we're not just going to bring anyone over here. We're going to screen them. Well, it's only been about a month, and already we have at least two rapists in the crowd. Not, not, a, not a huge surprise. When you just bring plane loads of people over from another country, a lot, you know, a lot of young men, young single men, and especially from a culture where sexual violence is normalized. You know, sex between adult men and boys. There are people in this country who want to normalize it, as we just went over. But in Afghanistan, that's a normal part of the culture. That's something that our, you know, that our military, for the 20 years they spent in Afghanistan, and if you talk to pretty much any veteran who spent any amount of time stationed in Afghanistan, they'll, they'll tell you the horrifying stories. And one of the most horrifying things about it is that they would see this going on, these, these uh, boys being raped, and they weren't allowed to do anything about it. So this is a feature of the culture over there. And then you take a bunch of men from that culture and you bring them over here. I don't think we could be too surprised by what happens. All right, let's see what else do we have here. Um, uh, let's see, do we want to do this if I can find it? All right. It's also from the Daily Wire. It says, in an op-ed condemning a pro-life law in Texas as a human rights crisis for American women, actress Uma Thurman reveals that she once had an abortion, calling it her darkest secret. Thurman admits in the op-ed that she wanted to keep her child, though she felt abortion was her only option after speaking with her family. The decision to have an abortion and kill the baby left her heartbroken and still causes her pain today. Um the actress admits the abortion caused her anguish that saddens me even now, but added that abortion allowed her the path to the life full of joy and love that I have experienced. And the op-ed closed with Thurman condemning Texas pro-life legislation, which bans abortion after the unborn's heartbeat is detectable. So we, we find yet again, this cognitive dis- dissonance on the pro-abortion side, especially with women on the pro-abortion side who've had abortions and we've heard this same thing. We've, we've heard this kind of confession admission from plenty of female celebrities, especially in the last few weeks, talking about their own abortions. And most of the time, they'll tell you that it was heartbreaking. It was tragic. Anguish. I mean, she uses the word, think about what anguish is. It's caused her anguish. And yet while she is dealing with a broken heart and tragedy and guilt and anguish by her own admission, it has also allowed her to live a life of joy. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't know that you can have a life full full of joy that also prominently incorporates anguish and heartbreak. Um, and yet, while, while saying all of these things about abortion, how it's heartbreaking and it causes anguish, she is still a proponent of abortion. She still considers it an attack on women if you don't allow them to have abortions. Well, we have to ask the same question yet again. If it was heartbreaking and caused you anguish and you consider it a tragic choice that you had to make, um, why? What's so heartbreaking about it? Taking a lifeless clump of cells, something that is nothing more than basically a, a parasite, or a cancerous growth, a tumor, which is how the pro-abortion side talks about, quote-unquote, fetuses. Getting rid of something like that. I mean, does anyone, I don't know, anyone who's ever had um, 
tapeworms and taken medicine to get rid of the tapeworms. Do they consider that an uh, anguish? Do they have anguish over that? Is that a heartbreaking decision? The doctor comes in and says, hey, you've got uh, parasites in your intestines. We got to give you this medicine to get rid of them. Are, 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 you, are you having any moment of anguish trying to decide years later? Are you writing op-eds about how terrible and tragic it was? If you have a cancerous growth on your body that you have to remove and, and, and dispose of it, is that, is that going to cause you anguish? Is that heartbreaking? No, the anguish and the heartbreak, which I do believe she has suffered. In fact, if anything, she's, she's downplaying it. That comes from the, from the innate recognition that she has that this was a child, this was a human life, and that as much as she wants to think that through abortion, she just kind of reset the clock and went back to being a child-free woman, um, in reality, she, that child is her child, and now it's a dead child. She's the mother of a dead child, and she recognizes that. But she doesn't have the moral courage to take that all the way to its conclusion. And to say, you know what, this was a child, this was a human being, killing children is a horrible thing. That's why I feel so horrible about it even now, years later. We should not be doing this. This shouldn't be allowed. She doesn't have the moral courage to say that. All right, I'm going to play, um, maybe lighten the mood a little bit, although this is still a, a very important subject. Here's a, a clip from Inside Edition that went viral yesterday online. And I assume this is you know a couple of years old because it's, this is on public transportation. No one's wearing a mask. So I assume this is for a couple years old. But for whatever reason, it's making the rounds on the internet now. And um, here's someone from Inside Edition, a reporter shaming people on camera for their rude behavior on the subway. Let's watch. And on this packed standing room only train. Hi there. How are you? This guy had the nerve to put his luggage on the seat opposite him. This is a completely packed train and you're hogging a seat with a pizza which you could certainly share, and a piece of luggage. Why would you do that? I just put it there when I got here. Nobody asked me to move it, so I did Why should somebody have to ask you to move a piece of luggage when this place is completely packed? There's room up above. Why don't you put your bag up here? See all these people that put their bags up above? That's so that somebody else can sit in a seat. Okay. Why don't you do that? Sure thing. I'd be happy to help you right now. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Absolutely. <laughs> Ma'am, would you like to sit down? Who would like to sit down? No, I would love Come to on. Sit down. Thank you very much. Of course. That's so kind of you. Lots of people didn't think twice about putting dirty shoes on seats. We're doing a story about rude commuters and oh, some I nasty things and they do. And I accept that because I don't give a shit about anybody else. You don't? No, not really. Why would I? Nobody else cares. I mean, I'm, I, I fully am in support of this kind of thing. I'd like to see more of it. Um, certainly, I would like to see someone, whether it's Inside Edition or anybody else, with cameras outside of, you know, Target or a Walmart or any grocery store, shaming people who ditch their shopping carts in the middle of the parking lot, that kind of thing. It is a little bit self-aggrandizing on the part of the reporter, so I do have questions about you know, I, I want to know about her behavior on the subway. I want to make sure that it's, I, I shame people all the time for not putting their carts back, but I make sure to do it myself. I, I'm fully aware that if you ever, if anyone ever spotted me ditching a cart in a parking lot, it would be, it would be a, a major scandal for me and it would bring me great shame. In fact, I, I, as far as I'm concerned, I would lose all credibility. You should stop. If you ever catch me doing that, you should stop watching this show. Because I lose all moral credibility in that moment. So I have questions about this woman. Does she, does she live by her own code here? But um, putting that aside, it is true. And, and you, you experience this anytime you're in any kind of public transportation setting. Um, it's, it's worse in public transportation, but that's only a symptom of the problem in the broader culture, which is total lack of decorum of common courtesy, decency, chivalry, all that stuff is out the window. But of course, what they're not going to do on Inside Edition is they're not going to ask the question of why has decorum gone out the window? Why don't people care about basic courtesy and respect anymore? 
I mean, why are there men sitting down on the train when there are women standing? Why is that the case? Because then you go deeper into the, to the, into the uh, cultural rot that all this stuff springs from. Feminism has a lot to do with that. Big reason why there's, you know, a, a big reason why there's women standing and men sitting. Feminism, which, reje- which rejects chivalry. Rejects the idea that men have any special duty to women in that way. So that's part of the conversation. They don't want to talk about that. So instead, we're just dealing with, you know, we're dealing with the, the rotten fruit, but we're not getting down to the roots to figure out where this stuff springs from. That's the problem. All right, let's get now to reading the comments. Who's rocking polka dot and flannel shirts without shame? Do you know their name? They're the sweet baby gang. So Nick Porter says about Matt's kids online statements, lower functioning autistic kids shouldn't be given a device at all. Look at the drama they start on Discord and YouTube. These kids will literally threaten to kill others just for saying they don't like Dora or something. Uh, Well, what you're missing here, Nick, is it's not about having autism or learning disabilities. Uh, This is is the case for all kids. All kids lack the proper emotional development to be on a public stage. The internet is a public stage. And you're putting yourself out there in front of potentially millions of people. And you're putting things out there that will be out there forever. I mean, you're saying things, you're posting things. And those things are going to be there forever. Um, and you're also interacting with, uh, with thousands of, uh, of, of different people on this stage. Many adults clearly lack the emotional development to be in that environment and comport themselves well. Kids certainly lack that emotion. The only difference between the kids and the adult in this situation is that the kids have an excuse for their lack of of maturity. You know, it's natural for kids to be immature. It's not natural for adults, though so many adults are now. But that's the case for all kids. I mean, that's why we should keep all kids away from the internet as much as possible. Uh, Nell says, Matt, my son had a 24-hour stomach bug and the school needed a negative COVID test before he could return to school. He had to miss school to wait for the results, even though he felt fine. Yeah, that's bad enough. But now, I mean, a, a stomach bug, you would expect a kid at least would miss school for a day. But now, what are you supposed to do if your kid is coughing a little bit in the morning? Doesn't, you know, doesn't have a fever. It's a little bit of a cough. Do you, you got to keep them home, I guess. And anything less than perfect health, you got to keep them home from sc- home. Keep them home from school. Um, Peggy says, Matt, I need a warning for when the Sweet Baby Gang anthem comes on because it's too catchy and it's in my head all the time. I'm even having trouble sleeping. What is this psychological manipulation you're doing? Like the SBG leader will ever admit to it. Yeah, you're having trouble sleeping. That's that's part of the indoctrination into the cult. That's a crucial part of it. I'm breaking you down psychologically. I'm breaking your will. Uh, Venicue says, I'm not so bothered about Hollywood adding stuff to the Gospels just as long as they don't take out the car chase from the Nativity story. Well, we're, we're in agreement there. A couple, couple action-packed scenes in the Nativity story. Um, Nick says, hey, Matt, since you've been grilling bad Republican governors, I was wondering how you feel about Ohio Governor Mike DeWine. He had a mask mandate up until July and has tried to put in another, but the legislature won't let him. Thanks. Love the show. Uh, I haven't followed the Ohio governor that closely. But if that's the case and you live in Ohio, then you got to deal with that come election time. What I'll say is, you know, I'm aware of a of a very small number of Republican governors who I have any respect for at this point. I mean, there's only one that comes immediately to mind. There might be a few others that I'm not thinking of right now. And not just Republican governors, but Republican politicians on the national stage at all. Is Mike DeWine in that group? Probably not. Um, Richard says, as a Brit, I'd like to apologize to our American cousins, American cousins for James Corden. Seriously, we had no idea he'd make it in your country. That said, we're just glad to see the back of him. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate your apology, but Jay, when it comes to late night hosts, 
it, it's so bad right now. The landscape is so bad that James Corden isn't even. He's, 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 if we're start to, if we were listing the least funny and most annoying, he does, he's not, he's not even in like the top three. That's how bad it is. But your apologies are still very much appreciated. You know, I am a coffee addict from way back in the day. And, uh, the problem is I had this problem even before I had kids, I was drinking way too much coffee to give me energy and endurance throughout the day. And then now I have four kids and uh, so now I'm relying on it even more. But the problem is no matter how much of that stuff you drink, it's, it's not good for you to drink too much. And uh, you're still not going to have all the energy you need. And that's why uh, it's so nice to introduce to you a new way to start your day. Super Beats Heart Chews. They're a tasty treat. I mean, these things are delicious and they give you the energy you need and are they're good for you as well. No more afternoon coffees, energy drinks and candy for a quick pick me up. Add two delicious plant-based Super Beats Heart Chews to your morning routine and promote heart-healthy energy for your day without a caffeine crash. The grape seed extract used in Super Beats Heart Chews has been clinically shown to be two times as effective as, as supporting normal blood pressure as a healthy lifestyle alone. And uh, I tell you, I mean, it's, they, they give you the, the portions you're supposed to eat, but I had to stop myself from eating the whole bag because they are that tasty. Um, Join over 1 million customers, get free shipping and returns, a 90-day money-back guarantee. And right now, you can get a 30-day supply with your first purchase at superbeats.com slash Walsh. Superbeats.com slash Walsh. And also, you deserve to wake up to the facts while you're chewing on your Superbeats heart chews, which is why we started our newest podcast, Morning Wire, which has been topping the Apple and Spotify charts since its recent release. It's the only daily news podcast that value your time and the truth. And while we're working overtime to bring you the news you need to know, we need your help to bring the facts trending towards number one. So subscribe and start listening now to Morning Wire on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a five-star review if you like what you hear. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. So today for the cancellation, I think my job is pretty easy. I need only pass the cancellation mic, the baton, to an unnamed woman, as yet unnamed, on the subway, who, um, different subway from the Inside Edition thing, who took matters into her own hands to cancel a disgusting pornographic ad campaign by the dating app OkCupid. OkCupid has littered subways and other areas in many major cities with posters and billboards advertising its services with messages declaring that OkCupid is for every single pansexual, every single non-monogamist, Every single vaxxer, and then there's a close-up picture of two people French kissing with their tongues apparently melded together. There it is. You can see that. Um, Every single tree hugger with a picture of a half-naked guy with a potted plant shoved down his underwear. They've also plastered signs that say things like, it's okay to have strong convictions and abandon them for a night. And it's okay to only date someone who's pro-choice. And many other messages in that vein. Well, this woman on the train decided that... um, She didn't approve of this campaign and was worried that children would see it and be influenced by it. So she responded by going through the train and simply tearing all of the posters down herself. Pretty great stuff. Check it out. Beautiful sight to behold there. Not the posters, but this woman doing what needs to be done. This is, of course, exactly the correct response to the insane filth that's shoved down our throats and our kids' throats everywhere we go. The correct response is not tolerance. It's not politeness. It's not to be passive or nonchalant. It's not to transcribe all of our grievances in an email and fire it off to OkCupid Customer Service Center just so they can ignore it or rather gather around on their lunch break and laugh at it. The right approach is to remove the filth yourself. Intolerance for it. Intolerance is a virtue. One of the biggest mistakes we ever made 
in this culture and as conservatives is to believe the lie that tolerance is, is, is a universal virtue, that it's a universal good, and that you're somehow a, a good person, that how good you are as a person can be judged by your capacity to put up with things. Man, that's an easy virtue, tolerance. The great thing about the, the so-called virtue of tolerance is that you can be a virtuous person while laying on your couch eating Doritos. Because when you do that, you're tolerating everything. When you see something bad happening and you look the other way, that's tolerant. You're being tolerant. So it's a great virtue for cowards and lazy people. And that's why it's not a real virtue at all. She's displaying righteous intolerance here by removing it. Now, they could go and put up the filth again, sure. But then, uh, you know, we should just take it down again. Back and forth, back and forth until they get the message. That's what the other side would do and has done. The only question is whether we want to continue abiding by rules that they don't abide by. They see something they don't like and they just say, well, I'll just take it down. That's it. I'll take it down. Even if it's a 150-year-old statue. I'll get a crowd of people. We'll, 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 take, we'll use some straps and we'll just we'll pull the thing down. Should we handicap ourselves with this weird notion of decorum? I mean, there's, there's appropriate times for decorum. I think this is an inappropriate time. Should we do that while, while the other side rides through the land doing as they please? Now, of course, you might argue that this is not a matter of mere decorum. Perhaps this is a matter of rights, you might say. In fact, I've, I've seen people on the right make this argument in response to this heroic woman in the subway. The subway avenger, as I have just now decided to call her. They've said that uh, OKCupid has private property rights and free speech rights, and that this woman has infringed on the rights of the poor degenerates over at OKCupid by behaving in this way. To To that, I think there are two responses. First one is, even if that's true, who cares? But second, it's not true. You don't have any fundamental right to plaster filth and degeneracy in public areas. You don't have any fundamental right to flood society with this kind of sewage. You have the legal right, yes. Nobody disputes that. I mean, there's no question that this woman committed a crime, at least vandalism, I mean, at least a misdemeanor, um, according to the law. No doubt about that. But then again, uh, and, and if she's charged with a crime and faces any legal trouble, then I'll want to know where her GoFundMe is so I can donate to it and, and also post it and get more people to donate to it. But But then again, in most states, except Texas, there's also no question that doctors who kill children in the womb have not committed a crime according to the law. Does that mean they have an actual fundamental human right to do what they're doing? No. Because while legal rights are granted by the government, human rights, actual rights, upon which our legal rights are supposed to be based, are granted by God. If they're not granted by God, then the concept of human rights makes no sense. It has no meaning. The people who first developed the concept of human rights certainly thought that they were derived from the creator. If they were wrong about that, then they were probably wrong about human rights existing at all. In which case, our legal rights are entirely arbitrary and you have no deep moral calling to respect them. If we have no fundamental God-given human rights, And when we talk about rights, we just mean uh, this is what the government says. The people in charge of the government right now say this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. And you might respect that because you're afraid of because they use force and you're afraid of the force they might use on you if you don't respect it. But there's no deeper moral obligation to respect it because it's arbitrary. But if rights are derived from God. Then the question is whether God desires for OkCupid to promote pansexuality and non-monogamy and pornography on the subway. The question really, we could boil it down to this, is whose side do you think God is on? The people who put those posters up or the woman who tore them down? I think the answer to that question is, uh, is very clear. And we need to start thinking about things in these terms. We know what the government says. 
We also know who's in charge of the government. You know, we know what the ruling class is all about. Um, we know what they say our, our rights are and our rights aren't. But where do these rights actually derive from? You know, who, who's, whose authority are we, are we in the end going to ultimately respect? God's authority or the government's authority? And that's why today, I, rather than canceling that woman, I join her in canceling OKCupid, which she has already done such a fantastic job of doing. And we'll leave it there for today. On, uh, you know, I don't know if I call it a positive note. As positive as you're going to get on this show. So thanks for watching. Have a great day and a great weekend. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodosky. The show is edited by Ali Hinkle. Our audio is mixed by Mike Cormina. Hair and makeup is done by Cherokee Hart. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Hey, everybody. This is Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. You know, some people are depressed because the republic is collapsing, the end of days is approaching, and the moon's turned to blood. But on The Andrew Claven Show, that's where the fun just gets started. So come on over to The Andrew Claven Show and laugh your way through the fall of the republic with me, Andrew Claven. <laughs>